You're listening to the Purpose Driven Person Podcast. This podcast is made for leaders unwilling to give up their desires to be purpose driven. Guys, I made this show for a compass for you to have more purpose in leadership through four concepts creation, communication, collaboration, and connection in both business and in life. My name is Matthew Leland Cox. I'm the founder of Never Give Up Youth Healing Center, Never Give Up Wellness Center, and Never Give Up Foundation. You can find me at MatthewLelandCox.com. Are you ready? Well, let's do this. All right, Joe, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. And, you know, as you're listening, Joe is one of the founders or the current founder that runs 10 High, which is No Heroes in Heroin. Joe, welcome to the show again. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate being here. Yeah, this is exciting. You know, I've known you for, oh, man, it's been a few years. I've ran you into you for, through some other different groups over the years. Um, I think I met you when I was dealing with, uh, was it the Mayor's Faith Initiative when we first met? The Mayor's Faith Initiative. And oh, certainly down at City Hall, we would meet. We would meet yeah. with a bunch yeah. of nonprofits and faith community, faith-based yeah. organizations. Yeah, and I remember we just started chatting in the hall. We connected pretty quickly and... Uh, every since we just kind of keep in touch and see where each other's path is going. Um, and so I wanted to jump in on the listeners because today's show, I, I really love the area that you've been charging in. And as a, as people know, the purpose of the show is about purpose driven. And so can you tell, give us a little background of yourself, Joe, and why you started 10 high and, and all that. Sure. Sure. Um, single father of four sons for, for many, many years, a person in long-term recovery myself, um, very, very open about my own issues with substance use disorder with my, with my children. Um, and unfortunately, my two oldest sons developed some of the same habits that, that, that I had at a young age. And at that time, uh, they were using, they were in front of Oxycontin, the Roxy's, the opioid epidemic. They were um, caught up in the middle of that, probably late 2006, seven and eight, around that time. I found out my oldest son was addicted to heroin probably around 2009, and subsequently he passed away in 2011. Um, and as you can imagine, as any parent w would, you know, uh, being connected to a program of recovery. I didn't even know where to take my own son. I, I had been in, in a recovery program for over 16 years at that point, and I didn't know where to take my adolescent son. I, I, I tried everything I knew. Um, so that was really the meat and potatoes behind me wanting to get out in front and, and talk to other parents and let them know, you know, to provide a, a safe place for, for kids, a, a, a place that parents could speak to because parents weren't really talking about heroin you know, it was a very taboo subject at the time. Nowadays, you know, it seems that everybody knows somebody who's got some, you know, that who, who's been suffer, suffered from one way or another with, with heroin addiction. Um, but back then in, in 2009, 10 and 11, people were not talking about it. So I wanted to be on the forefront and start talking about it. I thought in order to make change, we needed to first identify that there was a problem running through our communities. You know, one question too is, you know, when people get into Oxycontins or these type of drugs, 
do you remember, did you just fall into it or next thing you know, you look back and you didn't realize you, was it a pain or something happened? What got you hooked onto these? Was it? Well, me personally, I was never an opioid addict. I, I, I'm in recovery of multitude of other drugs, um, amphetamines and stuff like that. But, but opioids, I, I had gotten clean and sober in 1994 and I don't know, there may have been opioids around at that point, but they weren't near as prevalent and it just wasn't not part of my story. Okay. And so then the journey after you uh, started the program uh, to get a voice, um, how did that, was it tough? Cause a lot of times when you start these programs, the journey is tough. I mean, you're trying to get in front of people. Tell yeah. us a little about your journey. It's been a pretty crazy. Well, we, we sat around, I sat around my kitchen table with two other families and we realized that we needed to get out and make, you know, do something. Um, and these, uh, these other families had been affected by opioid use as well. And the first thing we had was a yard sale. We had a community yard sale. We made about $800 and, and we gave it to a sober living house and we asked the manager to please award the money towards, a, a somebody coming in off the street looking for 30 days of sober living. And that became one of our tenants. Um, we would talk to anybody and, you know, that's where I met you at Marist Faith Initiative. I had a friend who worked in city hall, the city hall legislative office at the time. So he got me hooked up there. I, I sat at farmer's markets. I had a no heroin sign sitting next to somebody who was selling microgreens and oh. stuff like that. And sometimes parents would, 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 would actually take their kids and walk the other direction when they saw my sign. Cause they didn't, you know, it was so taboo for people to talk about. And sometimes, you know, every once in a while, we would get a parent, you know, it would say, hey, you know, my son or my daughter or my brother, I know somebody, what do you, you know, do you have any recommendations? What can I do? And that's what we came out. That's what the idea was, was to be some sort of resource broker of sorts, you know, to where we could point people in the right direction. And we, and we collected uh, emails and, and, and started having monthly meetings and, 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 you know, started holding events, awareness events, and we just got some steam and, and gathered a big volunteer base. So, you know, I, it, it's cool to hear you say this because I remember sitting in the hallway at the city hall with you when you were painting your vision years ago when we were sitting there and to see where you've came now um, is just awesome, man. It, but a lot of people don't know the journey behind it because if it was easy, everybody would do it, right? Um, and, and so I'm just, where are you at right now with your organization? Because I, I want people to understand that you, when you first started it, you didn't even know where to start. You're just like, I want to help because I remember your vision. I want to help these youth. Then you ended up over into one of the high schools, the first addiction high school here in the Valley. You were there for a minute. And then from there, now where are you at? Well, we, we actually were the creative vision behind the recovery high school. We, we, uh, there you go. Yeah. We had the right people in, in, in the right place. We met, uh, a associate superintendent um, and another friend of mine who I met along the way. He used to be the uh, uh, publisher for the Las Vegas sun.com. And the three of us, we knocked on every door. We had the idea that we wanted to build a, a, a recovery high school. Um, once, once that actually passed and, and we, we went down and advocated and lobbied in front of school board trustees. And once they voted, uh, it was a six zero. it was a unanimous decision it was a banner banner day and, and, and it was, it was quite a heavy lift and the Clark County school district really stepped up to the plate. The city of Las Vegas pitched in some money and the state of state of Nevada put in 
put in some salaried positions for some licensed therapists to actually work on, on site. So wow. that, that was a wonderful accomplishment. And during that time, I had heard about the recovery high schools, the, the synergy between them and the alternative peer groups and mo modeled mostly after what's in Texas. The alternative peer group is supposed to fill in the, the times in between the school hours, you know, so you, you know, typically nights, holidays and weekends, um, summers. So we created a, a, an after school program on site at Mission High School that would help deliver recovery supports to, to these kids. And we had a, an army of volunteers that showed up and trying to coordinate all those volunteers it's like herding cats. You know, people wanted to, they wanted to help, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but there's times when, when something happens, but they, you know, it's, it's, it's been fun along the way and we've been able to affect some change and we've been able, you know, to, to help some kids. Do it well, well. I, I love that you're, you know, um, cause to get a high school in place to do, get the peer recovery going, uh, you also do, um, what's the, the, uh, Mon or the black, what, what's the event? Black, you just... black Monday is our biggest awareness. Event. Um, and we've, we've had the state, let state, uh, department of, of State of Nevada Department of Public Health come down and, and they've said that it's the largest opioid awareness event in the state. Um, we've done that seven years in a row now. We, it's a, basically a symposium, Love it. A, a resource fair. Uh, we'll, we'll get keynote speakers. Um, and it's a time for families to come together, you know, to honor, to honor our children that, you know, that we've lost, you know, to, to, to you know, validate that our children that are actually still using and to honor, you know, to, and to celebrate those who have overcome their addictions. So it's actually, we, it, there's a lot of family involvement. It's a very, very moving ceremony and, 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 and we do it once a year. Yeah. I've been to one and I love the energy, the, the synergy and the energy there is just, it's awesome. You guys are moving things. And that was just a concept. When did you come up with that idea? Were you just kind of sitting there and said, I'm going to do this? Well, there, there is no hero and heroin actually started in Tucson, Arizona, um, by a lady named Jan Narji. She actually, she, she, when I reached out after I lost my son in 2011, I, I reached out on Facebook and there was a, at the time there was some fledgling anti-opioid groups that, that were going on. So I, I messaged one and this lady answered and she said, would you like to start a Las Vegas chapter? So that was something that she had started in, in, in Tucson and she signed over the 501c3 to me about five years ago. She, you know, we, we've been around eight years now. We've yeah. been to 501c3 for seven years and the first two years we were under her and she signed it over to me and she subsequently passed away. So I, you know, before she passed away, she, she had told me that she always wants to make sure that the colors remain black and, you know, the logo's the same and that black Monday is always the same. So, you know, that, 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 that was her concept. Was there a meaning behind the logo? Cause I, I think it's creative how they did the logo. Is there meaning behind it? Well, there's, I mean, she was, you know, I, there, there's no hero in heroin. It's, it's, it's just kind of a play on words, I think, because the hero is, is, is big, you know, uppercase and the N, you know, is a uh, lowercase and then with the big no symbol. And the meaning for Black Monday, it was about our, it's always the Monday closest to Valentine's Day. So we, we can be closest to our loved ones, um, those that are with us and those are those are, that are not with us any longer. Gotcha. So let's talk about a little bit about the valley here when it comes to heroin or opiums, opioids. See, I just slaughtered it like we talked <laughs> about. 
um, in the valley, what is what is statistically? Because you kind of you're up to the statistics, you kind of know what's going on. Uh, if the listeners are listening, because a lot of people don't realize how severe it is, can you kind of give some light on that? Well, uh, yeah. opioids, opioids or heroin specifically is still prevalent. Um, mm-hmm. It's making uh, actually methamphetamines are making a comeback. I mean, our our name as heroin in it so we're you know you would think that we're all opioids but we actually we deal with any any adolescent who has substance use disorder and so that's methamphetamines marijuana marijuana is that the weed that's out there nowadays is is unbelievably powerful um are are some of the numbers so the this last year in our own building we've had an average of 50 kids per day on you know attend our our 50 kids per month, I'm sorry, Un, you know, attend, 50 unduplicated, but they can attend three, four, five times a week if they'd like to, nice. but 50 unduplicated per month is the average, the average age is 16 of my attendees, which oh. is the great age, and, and, and we track actually the, at, the average age of first use, and the average age of first use is 12 years old. Yeah, I was going to say, wow. We found that are even down to nine. Wow. You know, it, 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 it's unbelievable you know, how prevalent it is. And I remember how easily when I was speaking, when I was dealing this with, with my son, how easy it was astounded at how easy it was. He was 16, 17, 18 years old, how easy it was for him to find heroin. Yeah. And, and, you know, one thing is, as I've interviewed uh, people in recovery and, and done a lot of these shows is a lot of times they say the pills or the Percocets, uh, all those big ones, um, they became expensive because they were like $80 a pill. So then heroin was a cheaper substitute. Is that kind of what you see with all this stuff? Which is crazy to think about that heroin is cheaper and easier to get. Yeah. That's, <laughs> and that's, that's true. You know, and that's, that, that's a sad, that's a sad state of our affairs. I, in, in my humble opinion, that, that, that the war on drugs has allowed these illegal drugs to become cheaper and easier and more potent than ever you know and and that's the thing is too is a lot of times um can you shine some light on some because some parents when i've dealt with parents or worked with them on coaching a lot of times they think heroin is just injecting the needle they don't realize there's other ways the kids use this because they they, they don't know what to look for when it well they smoke it uh you know look look for little pieces of tinfoil look for your tinfoil missing out of the out of the kitchen um that's a good one because it's very easily smoked you know the 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 black tar that they get is super easily easily smoked easily distributed um and it's easy to hide you know you just crumble up crumble up the aluminum aluminum foil just throw it away they wouldn't even know so so if a parent starts seeing a lot of aluminum in their uh in their trash can for no reason and it has burn marks yeah there that's kind of that might be an idea or a sign because that's that's a, that's a good point there. Can you shine some other things? Because a lot of times the parents would say, what are some signs I can look for? Because they don't know the signs. Like if my mom growing up, uh, I had my own um, fun addictions when I was a teenager. And uh, I that's and I'll just toot my horn. You know, when the marijuana epidemic, I still think it's a drug no matter how you, because uh, it is what it is. It's just, um, and so that was big in our time. But the thing is, my mom didn't know what to look for. She was so innocent when it came to things like that. So what do you, t- what do, you do you educate parents what to look for, like signs of uh, 
take, they, they start, they stop coming home. They start engaging with you as a parent. They stop being distanced. What is agreed. I mean, all the classic symptoms, I mean, they, 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 they actually pull away. I mean, it, the, the, for a minute, you know, you won't, you you might hear some parents say, I don't even recognize my kid anymore. You know, that's, that's a pretty good barometer on, 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 on what's going on. A parent pretty much knows really what, what's going on. If you feel it in your gut, there's probably something that you should look at. Um, they sweat, you know, they'll be hyper maybe one day and maybe another day they'll be, they'll be, you know, sleeping all day. Um, their grades slip, no doubt, you know, their, their peers, the people, you know, the kids, if you want to know what your kids like, look at their friends, you know, and however their friends are acting is probably a pretty good barometer on how your kid is acting when he's not away from, you know, when he's, when he's away from you. So it's very classic symptoms. Um, a, a lot of times parents, you know, are busy, you know, in my case, I'd be, being a single father, I mean, I was just trying to keep food food on the table and trying to keep the internet up and running and keeping the printer full of ink, you know, stuff like that. So it's engagement, you know, and and be open to, to the yeah. idea. Yes, I mean, there's a good possibility it is your kid. You know, I mean, I mean, it's a good possibility. You know, nobody is exempt from this. It doesn't and, matter. And heroin, I was completely blown away. And I think it's changed a little bit now. I, 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 I think there's been so much publicity about it that parents are a little more open. Um, I'd agree with that. I think I, I, I would, I would, I would encourage any parent to seek some sort of recovery program for themselves. Like you had mentioned a family, family counseling of sorts, some sort of family counseling, some sort of family recovery. Those programs are available. And, and, and that's a, a place for understanding, a place that you can get connected, um, because you, people don't talk about this. It, you know, graduation season sometimes. Graduation season hurts me. You know, I, I get to see all these kids' lives. You know, that, even all these great new opportunities. You know, and all these smiles and everything. It, and it and it's a little painful to you know to watch that. So, as a parent who has a kid who's suffering from substance use disorder that parent is just happy that their kid's still breathing. You know what I mean? I mean, it, you know, and, and then it's a tough time. So when you get to a family program, you can talk to other parents that understand that feeling. And, and you bring a good point up too, because a lot of times the parents will struggle through if, it, if they do lose their child or a loved one through this um, recovery, it, it's always, ever, it's never ending. You're always struggling. Some days are harder than others. And, I think I've been told that, you know, eventually you do grow kind of, you get strong through it. What's your advice to that? Cause uh, you know, people that have never been there, it's hard. I can only show empathy, but what, what would you say to that? Well, certainly one day at a time. I mean, the, many of the 12 step programs, that's, that's the, one of their biggest tenants is that one day at a time, you know, I, I, I work, I have a, I have a job that, that I actually do for a living that, that pays me money. It works. I work at one of the, Strip, strip hotels because my nonprofit I haven't it doesn't pay me anything it's just a labor of love um, as you said a purpose um, but at, at my job there's a guy who shines shoes that's what he is he's a shoe shine guy he's probably 65 70 maybe he wears a, a, a tuxedo every day every day he wears a tuxedo to work he's shining people's shoes the dealers the wait you know the servers and every day you walk by and hey morning and he goes morning seven star day 
great day. He's one more chance to get it right. He's always got these little one-liners, and 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 here he is, in in the twilight, in the end end of his career, and he's just happy. I mean, what what a, a, an outlook is one more chance to get it right. You know, my you know, I, I wake up. I don't naturally have that one more chance to get it right attitude, but when I hear somebody else say that, I think, yeah, you're right. We got another chance. You know, it's a pretty, you know, and some days are better than others. Well, and I, I love that, you know, at 70 years old, shining shoes, it's not about what income he brings and he's changing lives by just saying, yes. hey, be happy, be, be excited that you're breathing. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we get caught up that we have to do something grandiose, but like you said, a labor of love. Victor Frankl is one of my favorite authors. He says, you know, when the cause is bigger than you, uh, things start happening. Because that's the thing is we all as human beings have to have a cause bigger than us. And I loved what you said. Hey, I have my day job, but my nonprofit is my cause. It's my give back. Talk a little about that. Because a lot of people in addiction, you have to replace the addiction with purpose. As Victor Frankl says, if you don't fill that that vacuum, that hole uh, with something with meaning, you can't get the addiction out. Do you, do you find that to be true or? Agreed. I think that's, I think that's a good, that, that, that's a good, whether you're addict or not, whether you're addicted or not, yeah. that I mean, a, 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 a life that has purpose and meaning is a life worth living, yes. you know, and, 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 and to self-analyze that and, 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 and to spend time in reflection and wonder and contemplation and wonder what, what does drive me. And, and parents, would, you know, my parents in particular would tell me that all the time, you know, it's just, they want me to be happy. You know, I just want you to be happy, Joe. You know, and I, I never knew, I thought happiness was like something that, you know, if something happened to me, it's conditional, then I'd be happy. But it's certainly not. Happiness is a byproduct of actually living my life full of purpose. You know, I mean, if that makes sense, because I mean, oh, yeah. it, you know, that, 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 that's what happens is, I have some sort of purpose and then and then there's joy, moments of joy, and then there's also moments of sorrow and suffering in, in there as well. I mean, th- those are in there as well. And, and and to not shine away from that, but actually, you know, but actually go towards whatever the feeling is in the moment and actually feel. And then once I'm in that moment, I know that I- I'm living because this is it. You know, I, I, I met my wife and I told her life is not a dress rehearsal. I heard that, you know, this is I like that. I, I think that that is a great, this is it, baby. We're, we're here. <laughs> I mean, there's no do-overs, no second chances. And, and that's the, I love that because it's true. It's, you know, we got to take every day and put meaning in there every day we do. And, and you, you mentioned the concept is finding uh, meaning in adversity because a lot of times our addictions, our adversity, whatever it may be, is what, what am I learning out of this? You know, I made it through addiction. Now, what do I need to do? I'm strong. Who do I need to affect? And so the peer, peer um, groups or the peer, uh, peer groups, is it peer group or is yeah, that peer what you target support specialist, PRS. So, so tell me, because a lot of people don't know what that means. Because when they hear that, because as a provider, we hear it all the time. And so what is a kind of walk them through if I'm a parent, I'm listening, I, I go, hey, I have a kid I think needs some help. What, what, what do they get when they drop into your center? Well, a peer recovery support specialist has lived experience, right? I mean, that's the quote. They have lived experience. So, so the, there's a connection there. And number one, the peer is not me, somebody who's younger, you know, somebody who's a little bit older than, you know, our peer, you know, the people we have working for us are 
late twenties, you know, 25 to 30, you know, you know, young, but still older than the 16 year old kid that comes in. So they're going to identify with them because they're closer in age. And they had, I mean, the, the people I have working for me uh, have lived experience for sure. And they're all in recovery from one substance or another for a multitude of substances. And they all have life experiences that they can relate. And they all have to take a state certified test to, in order to, they have to have a certain amount of clean time um, in order to take the test. And then they take the test and, and it, you know, there's a lot of safe talk that, you know, that, that they, that they learn in the test. They, they, they learn a lot of the early indications, uh, you know, what to look for when somebody is in trauma. You know, it's not clinical. I've heard the term that they're paraprofessionals. So that that, that, so that, 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 that's a good thing to, to have. And it's somebody, I mean, they have, we have a one-on-one, we have what's called the, the CASH system, K-A-S-H. And when, upon intake, we have a series of questions and we a, a, answer them, what's your cash, what's your value? And under K heading, we have knowledge questions and attitude and skills and habits. And each one of those get a numerical value that the pure one-on-one coach, he, he tallies up. And every at regular intervals, we, we will revisit these same questions to see if their recovery capital is going in the right direction, you know that you know. So that 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 that's our value. That that's your that that's your recovery capital. That's your social capital. You know, and a lot of those at, at these kids' age, tender age, you know, most of most of it has to deal with families. Yep. So, so so it'll be social capital that will translate into the family capital, and 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 they'll find that you know that if they attend our programs, their attendance in school is typically better. Their their pro social activities are better. You know, we, we think the kids bowling, you know, we, we go skating with them and, you know, stuff like that. But so, and there's ping pong and there's video games and it's, it's a place, you know, that's a safe place, a safe place around people, a good positive peer, you know, it, and, and they could, you know, kind of like a big brother, big sister mm-hmm. type, type mentor. So they, um, they have a place to experience. <clears throat> so tell me a little about the cash again, because that, that's a cool concept. So cash C stands for. Well, well. We do cash with K because it's knowledge. Okay. A A for attitude. S for skills. Okay. H for habits. Habits. That's so each one of those, we you know, we have all recovery related kind of questions okay. relating to that. So we have a numerical value on our intake sheet that that we actually you know give each one of these kids upon intake. You know, you know zero one zero to five and then at the end of it all you know the higher the higher the numeric value is going to be the higher the cash value that's amazing yeah just uh, i'm going to toot your home here joe you're a humble guy and you don't take credit to see where we met in the hall years ago and where you pushed this nonprofit. i'm just i'm so it's amazing man hats off well, thank uh, you're, you. you're helping a lot of kids you're helping a lot of families um Purpose is huge, and, and this is where you're driving. What what I always ask my guests is, what makes you get up and be grinding and be? I, I use the word gritty. Like grit is what gets people to get up every day and and grind. What makes you do this? Oh boy, what the? <laughs> I mean, yeah. certainly the bereavement process is mm. is. As a bereaved parent, um, I say it with a smile now because otherwise I'd be crying. But um, as a parent, we always think we could have did better. Or what did I miss? What did I do? Um, so I certainly, I, this is, I, I do it to honor my son who, who's deceased. Awesome. And 
you know, what's it feel like when one of the kids or one of the family members or somebody comes through the program, they, they hit a win and are, are cut recovered for a certain period of time and come back and say, thank you. How's that? How's that feel? Oh boy, that, that is something, you know, they, they just mission high school just had its second graduation, second graduating class. It was all COVID style. So I could not attend my, one of my other sons was getting married that day, but last year's was like the first graduating class. And I got to be there and shake the shake and hug, shake hands and hug them as they were walking across the stage. And I got to see a room full of parents that were cheering that hadn't had a whole lot to cheer about previously in a lot of years. And, and, and that to me is the biggest win is to be able to watch to be a part of the, the joy, you know, and, and, and to see people having, like I said, some days are better than others. And it's great to be there on the days that are good and, 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 and to watch the light come on in their eyes. And I've seen these kids go off to college who never thought even graduation was on their anywhere in their periphery. And, and, you know, I mean, there's, I can go on and on and, and it is a feeling like I've not had, I've never had. So, so, so certainly I will, I, I do this. It helps them. It helps with my own grief process and my own bereavement, but I do it because it, it changes who I am as a person. You know, I don't go to help people to change them. I go there because what <laughs> that whole process changes me and it gives me a better understanding of what my purpose and what, my higher power has for me. So that's, I mean, I continually be, you know, amazed at, at, at you know, I don't know. I'm at a loss for words right now. <laughs> no, no, I, I think it's cool. I, I imagine, you know, part of that logo is just seeing guys like you and the peer rec- recover people um, just, they're almost like first responders getting people out of this. Because uh, you're saving lives. I mean, it, they're they're going a certain direction. You guys help turn them around, and you just give them that second chance to get out of such a bondage that's there. Because I mean, it's uh, it's amazing to see what you guys do. It has on the flip side of that. There's a lot mm-hmm. of trauma as, as well. Yeah. There's, a that, there's a lot that that is offered and it's not taken, and and those are sad, sad stories as well. Um, we, we had a we had a. A, uh, an attendee, a participant relapse and she was 15 years old and the mom wants to get her into some sort of patient and there's, and, and the hurdles that are there and the red tape that's there. And then the girl just bolt, she's bolt, she's gone. You know what I mean? And to this day, I don't, we don't know where she is. And, and, and so those are, that's very real. That's more the norm. That really is. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know the struggles to, you know, if we haven't been there and have been addicted, it's hard to put yourself in there. That sympathy is really hard to understand. The empathy is the addiction is so powerful. People don't realize it. Um, like the 15 year old, Hey, I, I, I just, I'm not worth it. They relapse. They go back into something. So have you seen that a lot with relapses where they just hit that wall and, and kind of disappear, have some come back and been successful? Sure. No, both. Both, both. Some have left and never came back, and some have relapsed, and, and we welcome them back with open arms, certainly. And, and, and I don't know. I mean, these kids are young. You know, a lot of times we're just planting seeds. So, so like, a lot of times, um, do they have to start the program over when they come back through and they relapsed? Or? We, we have yet to get to any, like, certain levels of a graduation. Um, 
we have more of an ongoing alumni, so they're more of a senior member. And the the kids that have come back, you know, they fall pretty much back in their own place. And we're we're still developing. We're still developing on what the actual graduation process of our alternative peer group is. We don't quite we don't quite know exactly what if we could put our finger on it. Um, but most of them, it, it acts like an alumni ceremony. If, you know, if they if they graduated high school, and and that's pretty much we watch them go through high school, and then that's kind of our graduation ceremony. But we don't have an official uh, graduation from the alternative peer group. Now. It's more of an alumni ongoing drop-in center. Just kind of come in. That well, that's cool because the drop-in concept is really important because they that gives them. Uh, the ability when they're ready or when they're at that point, they can just drop in. Right. And sure. and you guys are there for them. So it's not like, Hey, you failed. We don't want you around. It's, Hey, we're here whenever you need us drop in. We're going to, we're going to be here. You know for where you. We're at. Yep. You, you know where we are. The light's always on. Yep. And that's huge. Joe, I'm so excited. This is just amazing where you're pushing 10 high. I'm what's your, what's your plans for the future for 10 high? Where are you heading? Oh, uh, we are looking into uh, the intensive outpatient for adolescents and, and adults, um, that accreditation, the LP program. So we hopefully will be accredited for that by the end of July. Awesome. So we can start doing some treatment programming um, and get into some transitional housing. That's that's the key. There's a big need for it right now. Sure. Um, and and so it, what can people do to help 10 High? Can they donate? Where would they go to find you? They can go to our website, um, T-I-N, maybe you can put this in, in the show notes, or if there is the show notes, T-I-N-H-I-H, Las Vegas, dot info. So T-I-N-H-I-H, Las Vegas, dot info. Or a direct, a direct PayPal would be paypal.me slash Las Vegas. And any any large donation, small or whatever, you're you're small good. or large. We will we will gladly accept it. Um, use other things at the center. What else can you use? Well, we could use referrals. Um, if you everybody knows somebody, everybody know, knows a family that's suffering. So word of mouth. We need to get you know pass our you know we're found on Facebook on Instagram. The alternative peer group has a very active Instagram page. Uh, it's, it's apglv.org. That's another website we have. Um, yeah, word of mouth and and referrals and uh, and and when we come back in February, hopefully we're out of the COVID lockdown by February, so we can have the um, the Black Monday event again. Oh, and our our golf tournament is yep. September. I was going to say September twelfth at Boulder Creek. Um, and that you can find that on Eventbrite, and that information's on our website as well. Perfect. So they can come and join a team or be bring a team, whatever it is. Bring right? a team, sponsor, sponsor some golfers. You know, come, you know, come get or just come out for lunch. That's awesome. So that's coming up, and then uh, Black uh, Monday. When's that? What month is that in? February. That'll be February. That'll be the. I don't know the date. It's the. It's the Monday around Valentine's Day. So February fourteen ish. Whatever Monday is closest to that. Well, we, that just came by, so we're, we're, it's going to come up here soon again and, and stuff. Well, Joe, if you uh, appreciate you being on the show, uh, what's some advice you can leave the listeners for while we're exiting out of here? Uh, what do you want to give them as they're dealing with something like this or just anything about life? If, if their child's dealing with substance use disorder, tough love is, is, is a difficult way to go. And, and I, 
I, I think as long as there's as long as they're still breathing, there's hope. So I, I would encourage the, the family to, to get into some sort of family recovery program, even even if their child is not willing to go to a recovery program. So you say family, that means um, if the family needs it, get into it, even if the child's not willing. Because that's the child's that's not huge. willing, the, the family should still go. That's huge because a lot of families don't realize that. Well, it's not me, fix my kid, fix my kid, right? It's, it, it, it takes two to dance. So certainly the parent has, there's something the parent's going to learn at, at a recovery meeting, at a family recovery. For sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, Joe, thanks for being on the show. It's cool to have you. And I'm going to have you back as we do more recovery because this is part of the show. And one of the things I just always point out is purpose-driven. Is it so important? I always ask this as we're going out with guests, how important is your um, self-improvement, self, uh, you know, reading and always just, improving yourself do you do you feel that's important for people you being oh, purpose-driven what do you think completely i have you know i i'm in, i work an active program of recovery for myself an individual program and my sponsor reminds me that tin high is not my personal program of recovery uh-huh. I, meditate, I i i work out on a regular basis i i wish eating i certainly could do a little better <laughs> all of this but uh but um but yes it's, i think a clinical term would be self-care you know, so I, I definitely, you know, I make sure I compartmentalize. I make sure I rest okay. I, I have habits. I play tennis on a regular basis. Um, so I have my outlets um, for, awesome. for sure. We can't do anything unless we help ourselves first. And, and that's the key is helping ourselves. Well, well, awesome. Thank you so much again. And uh, we're going to have you back. And if you need to get information about Joe, it's going to be in the notes on the show. Uh, we'll have them in the posting, but also go to 10 High's website, check it out. Get involved. Volunteer if you don't need, if you don't, it doesn't matter if you have an addiction or not. Just say, hey, I want to come help. How can I help? Because love is what brings people back, is just being there for them. So if you have any questions, get a hold of Joe. He has a great program. And again, continue to be you and don't give up and continue to push forward and live on on purpose and keep driving yourself to what you need to do on your goal. Till next time, we'll take care, guys. Hey guys, thank you for listening to the Purpose Driven Person podcast. Something I said today resonated with you. Head over to my website. I would love to give you a free gift to download, but you can also email me at purposedrivenperson at gmail.com. And don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And remember guys, always continue to push your dreams and never give up. I'll see you next time. Take care.